Well, good evening. It's great to see you. I appreciate you making the time and making a priority to be here with God's people. I hope this time together will be spiritually edifying. And you'll take your Bibles. Please turn over to Psalm 119. We'll be uh, reading from that momentarily. I enjoyed my time with you so far. I appreciate you all being very warm and welcoming. Since you were nice to me, I decided to come back tonight. And uh, But no, I, I enjoy being with you very much and also greatly appreciate your interest in the Lord's work over in Africa, your supporter, Brother uh, Emmanuel Mawizara. Uh, he's very, uh, Emmanuel's a very dedicated young man, very hardworking young man. Uh, in fact, uh, I wore this tie tonight. This is a tie he gave me after my our first trip over there, uh, just uh, as a way to remember him. So I, I greatly appreciate your interest in the Lord's work. There. If you're visiting with us, we appreciate your uh, uh, encouragement by being here as we're talking about zeal for God. The Bible here says not, we're not to be lagging behind in diligence. We talked about last night diligence in spiritual growth from 2 Peter chapter 1. That's God's, that's one good passage to turn to as a, a plan for personal spiritual growth. But we are to be fervent in spirit, which means we're to be on fire for the Lord. We're to have the spiritual zeal or spiritual enthusiasm for the great things of God, and that's how we are to serve the Lord. So are we on fire for the Lord? Uh, I know that sometimes we're concerned about converting the lost, and someone said, well, how can you convert the lost? And someone said, well, just set yourself on fire for the Lord, and, and the world will come and watch you burn. Well, then you wonder, well, how do I light that fire? We all know that it would be great to be zealous for God, but as I mentioned Sunday, sometimes we feel like our get up and go has got up and went. How can I have more zeal? I saw these uh, passages from Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste? They are sweeter than honey to my mouth. Think about if I had a sweet tooth for the Word of God. I would enjoy or savor my time in the Word of God. Uh, does anyone have to make you or, or twist your arm to eat your favorite dessert? And you say, you know, you're not, just, you're not eating enough chocolate pie, okay? Now, you need to get with it. I mean, it's something that, we, that you have a, a taste that you enjoy, you like it. And he says that, that if, if you can have a sweet tooth for the Word of God and there's no calories, I mean, it's good for you. Do I think about the, the value of the Word of God? The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. These are both from Psalm 119. This is from verse 72. How much do I value the word of God? It's more precious than gold. Uh, before Gutenberg invented the printing press, uh, you, the Bible was copied by hand. And to have your own copy of the Bible, uh, it would cost you know an equivalent to maybe over $20,000 or so to have your own copy of of the Bible. And if that was the only way to get it, would I be willing to pay that? Uh, Brother Bob was telling me about sending money for Bibles over in Uganda. And there was a woman in this refugee camp that Emmanuel gave her a Bible. And she said, I, she said, this was like a dream come true. I believe she started to cry. I never thought I'd have my own Bible. There's a, a, a YouTube of, of some, uh, uh, Believers in China, they received a box of Bibles and they were taking the Bibles out of the box and they began kissing the Bible. So they valued that the Word of God is the most valuable thing in the world. Now what do these two things have in common? Well, 
How do we ignite this zeal? Is we have the right attitude toward the Word of God. And I think one of the, the best things that we can do to ignite zeal and to be stronger spiritually is to learn to cultivate the lost art and the spiritual discipline of meditation. Meditation, that is, to, re- to repeat and to reflect upon verses of Scripture that are personally helpful to me. In fact, in the, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, there's a quote that says that meditation is a lost art in our modern world. You know when that original uh, edition of the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia was written? It was 1929. It was a lost art back then. And we think about how much faster things are today. Well, you know, 88% of Americans own a Bible. The average U.S. home has 4.4 Bibles. 13% of people read their Bibles daily. But this is interesting. This is from Religious News Service is where I got this. I think it was year 2013. 61% wish they read their Bibles more. Okay, what is holding them back? What's stopping them? Well, they are. That's what's stopping them. And if we have a great desire, hunger for the Word of God, we have, a, we have access to a never-ending source of spiritual encouragement. Wherever we are, whatever situation we are in, if we read We memorize, recite the Word of God and hide it in my heart and meditate on it. I have a never-ending source of spiritual encouragement. And this is the power, as we talked about last night, that the Holy Spirit worked in us through the Word to transform us from the inside out. And notice what this verse here says about meditation. How blessed is the man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Night. Notice that he meditates day and night. Now we may think, well, the Bible is good and I need to follow the Bible and I need to do what God says. And and, and we may have these general thoughts. But this is not meditating on the Word of God. Meditating on the Word of God is taking specific scripture and that word there, meditate, that particular Hebrew word, means to mutter or to growl. It sounds like a growl. It's what's called an onomatopoeia. The word uh, sounds like the, the noise that you make. It's the idea you're, you're muttering or you're saying it to yourself under your breath. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So you're, you're articulating it and you're saying it to yourself. He meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. I want you to notice what it says that the Word of God through meditation can do for us when everybody else is drying up, and when they're struggling, and they're discouraged, and they don't have strength. The child of God in the taproot of the soul has sunk his roots deep into the Word of God. And he's being changed and transformed and strengthened from the inside out. I mean, that's a powerful verse. You can go out, you can see things are drying up. But if a tree is right by a river or a creek, it's strong, it's vigorous, and it's green. He says, that's, that's, and it's, a, it's a tough world out there. But God's work can make us tougher than any challenge that we face. 
And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 119 about, there's several verses that talk about meditation and basically what will the Word of God do for us if we will cultivate the habit of meditation. Notice here's zeal for meditation, zeal for the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 131, I opened my mouth and panted. The idea of a, a hunger or a thirst for the Word of God, for I long for thy commandments and we'll, in reading through Psalm 119, this, I believe, will help ignite a desire to meditate on God's Word daily, day and night. Notice what Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Now, can I say that? Not just randomly, not just sporadically, intermittently. Psalm 1, day and night, that is a, a, a constant companion, is the Word of God, that God is speaking to me. You know, somebody said, oh, I, I just love it if God would speak to me. I, I remember one time uh, I went into uh, uh, a Wendy's and this young uh, lady there, and I invited her to church, and, and I told her I was a preacher, and she said, oh, yeah, well, my manager, she'll want to meet you, and and uh, so she came out and she said, well, preacher, give me a word from the Lord. And so I quoted a Bible verse and she said, no, that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> I mean, and she, want, she wanted her own revelation right there, you know. And the idea that God still speaks to those who listen and God is still speaking through his word. And God, can, God is speaking to us. When we meditate on His Word. Psalm 119, celebrate what, what God's Word will do for us if we study it and meditate upon it. Uh, the distinct uh, distinction of Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's a Hebrew poem of 22 stanzas with eight lines in each. And they are not there randomly. There is a purpose for this. The word there, meditate, in, in verse 97, is a different word than the word in Psalm 1, but this has to do with reflection, introspection, uh, musing. One lexicographer, it means to, the root word had to do to bend over. So it's like a person bending over and they're thinking very deeply. And so when we take the Word of God and meditate, it's like taking a diamond and we're, we're, when you slowly rotate it and the, the light uh, uh, bounce off, bounces off of it, you see the radiance of that light strike, striking the different cuts in the diamond. And it's very beautiful and brilliant and dazzling. And that's what happens. We, we begin to see things and appreciate in the Word of God if we meditate on it. Now these eight lines in each, these eight lines in each 22 stanzas, they begin with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And uh, some of the older King James Bibles did not have the Hebrew letters there, but most modern translations, New King James and others, We'll have that. You know, Psalm 119, you'll see that word, the little squiggly line there. And then Aleph. That's the Hebrew letter for A. And then you notice on down that backward C sort of looks like a backward C. Uh, it's not Beth, it's Beit. That's the Hebrew letter for B. What is the significance of that? Well, in the first stanza, those eight lines, each line began with the, the Hebrew letter A. The second stanza, the, the first letter began with the Hebrew letter B, all the way down through the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And this is, there's 10 examples of acrostic poems in the Psalms. 
And this is a memory device. Uh, we use acrostics for, for a memory device. Uh, I don't know much about music, but uh, you have, uh, you know, on your songbook, you'll see a note. And in the treble clef, that note will be on a particular line. And sometimes you'll hear a song later will say, you know, mention C or D or whatever. Well, um, the bottom note in the treble clef there, if it's on the line, it's E. The next is G, B, D, F. It's going the English uh, alphabet uh, in ascending order there, but it's every good boy does fine. So if you remember that, the first letter that will help you to remember the name of that note. What are the notes in between the lines? You remember the acrostic face. So when I was in biology to remember the you know, kingdom, phylum, species, and all that, there was an acrostic to remember that. And so all the reason I bring that up is that, that this was a memory device of memorizing 176 verses. Now that may sound like a lot, but when you have actors in a play, they memorize their lines. They did not spend their time, the ancient Hebrews, watching TV or uh, doing other things, they didn't have a media like we would have. So what would they do? They would meditate on the Word of God day and night. They would spend time in the Word of God. What a great discipline to memorize 176 verses. Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Someone said that a Bible that is falling apart belongs to someone who isn't. You see that Bible there? That someone's been in the Word. It's all marked up and color-coded. Uh, I was embarrassed one time. I bought a new Bible, and I had not yet had the opportunity to write in it, and a lady came over and uh, had some problem and wanted to talk to me and my wife. I opened my brand-new Bible up. There was no markings in it, and she said, that doesn't look like a preacher's Bible. I said, well, I'm sorry. I just got it, okay? I hadn't had a chance to write in it yet. So one thing I would encourage you to do is, is, is to, if you want to develop this zeal for Bible study, this zeal for motivation, Psalm 119 is a celebration of what the Word of God will do for us if we internalize it. So I'd encourage you to listen to it once daily for like a week or a month. I know Pete Wilson, uh, he was a preacher out in Oregon, and he said... Uh, Sometimes once a month, he would read Psalm 119 through every day for a month, 30 times. It takes you 15 minutes to read through it every day. You can, if you have a CD player or if you're driving, you can put that in your CD player and listen to that. And it really will help us to have a greater appreciation or motivation to want to to, uh, meditate on the Word of God. Now let's just talk about real briefly... What the Word of God will do for us to ignite that zeal, to want to, motiv- to motivate us to meditate on the Word of God. And when we meditate on it, what will it do for us? It will help us to know God. We meditate on it to come to know our Creator and our spiritual Father through Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, verse 2. How blessed or happy are those who observe His testimonies, that is, think on and practice His testimonies, who seek Him with all of their heart. When we read the Bible, we meet God. And when we meet God, we are changed. His holiness purifies our life. His love 
sweetens our disposition and expands our capacity to love. And when you meditate, we read the Bible and meditate on the character of God, the attributes of God, that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, that God is all-love. He is patient. He is forgiving. He is merciful. The, the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. Verse 8 says, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. That is, the greatest loss was to lose a relationship with God. So when we med- meditate on the Bible, that is our lifeline by faith to walk with God. It keeps us close to God. So we read the entire Bible to see uh, a complete view of who God is. I think a lot of religious error comes from a lopsided view of God. Some views think about just God's love and grace and mercy and as if God is indulgent or just exists to cater to us. And others read about the severity of God and the harshness of God and they're sort of afraid of God. And they don't like him very much. And now that you have to study the Bible to have a holistic view of God, and we meditate on that, that helps God make God more real. That God is our Heavenly Father who cares for us, and we learn to take on his attributes. Psalm 119, verse 27, Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I shall meditate on your wonderful works. And that is to meditate on on the works of God, his acts in history and redemptive history and also his creation, that uh, the more you really study science, that you see a great mind was at work. It says how great God is. And when we're impressed with the greatness of God, uh, when we're impressed with his greatness, when we meditate on his creation. Another benefit of meditation, if I take different verses in Scripture and I consciously read, reflect, and meditate on the great spiritual truths in Scripture to help keep my spiritual focus. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. That's a sense of anticipation. We all live in two worlds. We live in the physical world, and we live in the spiritual world. We're a dualistic being. Uh, We are not a physical being with the spirit temporarily uh, thrown in. We are an eternal living spirit temporarily housed in this earthly tent, this physical world. And so... We're in the world, but not of the world. The world surrounds us with a multitude of distractions. And you know, for a person to be lost, they don't have to do a lot of bad things. Jesus said in John chapter 15, if if you don't bear fruit, my father will, you know, prune those branches that don't bear fruit and he will throw them into the fire. So the world surrounds us with a multitude of distractions and what? Spiritual meditation does, it keeps us spiritually sharp and sensitive to God and spiritual reality. So a good tip for that is to underline or write down helpful verses for meditation. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways uh, to underline in your Bible or to write them down. For example, the back of my Bible right here, there's a, here's a piece of paper I've got. And I've written some verses down that were helpful to me. 
wrote them down. Um, I would encourage you to, what are helpful to you? There's the, um, well, I, I think I'm going to make another point about Randall's secret. You look at Psalm verse 148, where this the psalmist talks about setting a time to meet with God. Psalm 148, he says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the nice watches that I may meditate on your word. So that's setting a time and place, a time and place to meditate on the word of God. And someone say, well, I, I just can't, I don't, can't find the time. Well, you're not going to find it in a shoebox somewhere. You're not going to go, oh, I found some time. It's right here in a box. You have to make the time. You have to schedule that time. And here before dawn, they schedule time. And then in the night watches, they schedule time to meditate on God's word. Another thing that meditation will do for us, it will show us how to live. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Verse 48, let's read that together. Verse 48, Psalm 119. I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. We can't apply something that we don't know or that we don't internalize. And when we live our daily life, we're going to face a multitude of different situations. And this is the one that, that I mentioned, Randall's Secret, in the, this is a spoiler alert, it's in the appendix in the book, Muscle and a Shovel. Michael Shanks was converted out of a denomination, and uh, the person was a member of the Church of Christ there in Nashville. Uh, Randall was a given name because he didn't want his identity revealed, but... One of the questions in that book, how Randall continues to quote Bible verses. They are having Bible discussions, all kinds of Bible discussions about different subjects. And Randall always had a Bible verse. And he quoted these Bible verses. And people were asking him in the first edition of the book, how could Randall have said all these verses? That doesn't seem real or possible. He is quoting Bible verses. Randall's secret is he set a goal... Every week to write down and memorize two verses a week. Two verses a week. At the end of a year, that's about 100 verses. In about 10 years, that's 1,000 verses. And to memorize it, you have to meditate on it to internalize it. So that's when we have those verses, they stay with us and they just come to our mind and help us how to live. It says, I have more, this is Psalm 119, verse uh, 109. It says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. The idea of, uh, when you face a different situation, when you meditate on it, the verses will come to you. That's just what memory does. It will come to you. That's what Proverbs 4 says. When you arise, they will speak to you. That is the Father's teaching. So that's what that, what meditation will do. When we face a situation, what should I do? By meditating on the Word of God day and night, they, I will have answers. And also, they'll keep me from sin. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. 
So when I face temptation, the last thing the, the devil wants me to think about is the Bible. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to think about when was the last time I succumbed to temptation while thinking about the Bible. The Bible tells us to, to flee uh, youthful lust. The Bible tells us to abhor that which is evil and cling to that which is good. A good verse to remember when you face temptation is uh, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse Four, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. Sometimes when people are about to do something they know they shouldn't do, they'll look one way, and they'll look another way to see if anybody's watching. Rarely do you see somebody look up, you know. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. So if I meditate on that, and I hide that in my heart, if I've been thinking about that, I face a temptation, I remember... God sees and God knows. And even if it's in secret, I'm not going to get away with anything. That's what meditation will do for us. Verse 37, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. I know a preacher that he found a sticker and he put that sticker that had this verse, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity, and he put it on his TV set. So when you're watching something, is this something that's empty and vain? That is, is it a total waste of time, or does it reflect the vain value system of the world? That's what meditation will do. It'll keep us away from sin. Meditation will give us strength for daily living. I'm reading from Psalm 119, verse 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. When your soul is cleaving to the dust, you're as low as a person can get. And when you're as low as you can possibly get, we can still have the power to recall and reflect and meditate on the Word of God. He says in verse 25, Revive me according to your Word. He believed that the Word through the Holy Spirit had the power to revive him, bring him up. Verse 28, My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your Word. You know, the Bible deals with the subject of clinical depression. If you read through the Psalms, there are different laments. There's about a dozen of these laments that deal with clinical depression, which is uh, persistent, deep sadness for over two weeks. That's the clinical, uh, uh, a brief clinical definition. But the idea of, 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 of this weeping and, and feeling down, this is something the Bible can deal with, that the Bible as it is deals with man as he is. And I believe that when we need strength for living, if I begin each day with a, a study and reflection on the Word of God, when you're reading Scripture, you know, stop and you find a verse that speaks to your situation to underline it and stop and repeat it three times. Stop and repeat it three times. And by repeating it three times, it tends to stick in your mind. When you underline it, it's, it's, and maybe make a note in the margin when you go back and see it again, read it, or you study with someone, it helps to remind you something that you thought. It helps to preserve a good insight that you had. Verse 83 says, Though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your statutes. A wineskin wine in the smoke was like he was dried up and used up. He felt worthless. And when he felt worthless, 
It, you know, sometimes say, well, I don't feel like praying, and I don't feel like reading my Bible, and I don't feel like worshiping, and I don't feel like meditating on the Word of God. That's when we need it the most. When it's the hardest to meditate or to study the Word, that's when I need to meditate the hardest. So we need to begin that day like the psalmist did. He looked forward to the morning to cry aloud to God. Another great thing that meditation will do We live in a negative world that wants to tear down our faith. Uh, There's lots of people that doubt the Bible. They like to uh, make, you know, the idea that you believe in creation, you believe uh, Genesis 1 is a literal account of creation. The, The society likes to put a person down that says, I believe that the Bible is the literal, inerrant, um, perfect word of God. It gives us inner confidence that God is always right. And the Bible is always right. Psalm 119, verse 41. May your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So I will have an answer to him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. We should never be embarrassed to say, I believe the Bible, or to say, this is what the Bible says even if it contradicts some uh, person's life. Verse 46, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. What meditation does is it helps us to realize that this really works. This is really changing me from the inside out. And it helps to develop our confidence that we're not embarrassed to talk to people about God and the Bible. That's one of the challenges that we face. In evangelism, we're just too timid. We just don't have the confidence. And the problem is that we're looking at ourselves. We realize that we're weak and sinful. And we feel sort of uh, embarrassed maybe or intimidated in talking to people. And that we're not the standard. Uh, And I'm not the message. I'm conveying this message. A great line to remember is I'm not where I ought to be. But thank the Lord, I'm not where I used to be. Uh, we're all a, a, a work in progress. And, you know, it doesn't take much of a person to be a Christian, just all of that person there is. And we can have confidence that the, the Bible is helping us and helping us to grow. I remember um, uh, just in my own life, I remember when I was in junior high, my, I played baseball and uh, the church was uh, in the process of, uh, building a new building. So we met at the middle school there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where I grew up. And uh, as we were going into the auditorium there, across from the auditorium, there was a football field. And some of my buddies that I played baseball with, they were out there playing baseball. And I remember I was carrying my Bible in, and I remember switching it to the other side. Because I was embarrassed. I thought they were going to make fun of me. Well, I'm glad to say that I've grown out of that. I, I like to go down to Starbucks sometimes, and I take my Bible, and I'll read it. And I'm hoping, I'm just hoping somebody's going to ask me, you know. If they, they say something about the Bible, I'm just excited to talk to them. Uh, because the, God is in the people changing business. So our confidence is, that, is in God, and that God is always right. And we ought to have confidence in God's plan for saving us. And that should give us great confidence in talking to people. Another thing that meditation will do for us, it will remind us to set a good example before other people. Verse 74, Psalm 119, verse 74. 
May those who fear you see me and be glad because I wait for your word. Here's someone anticipating the word of God, uh, looking forward to uh, studying the word of God. And he realizes that I'm an example. Uh, Other Christians are depending upon you. You know, in the study done of, we're talking about the World War II Museum down in New Orleans. And one of the researchers there said, what was one of the prayers that the American soldiers said on D-Day? As they, as 150,000 American soldiers invaded Europe to liberate them from uh, Nazi oppression. What was the thing they were praying? One thing they were praying was, God, help me not to let my buddies down. And we think about, uh, you don't know who might be watching you and the influence that you might have. Uh, you're, I grew up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I was told this young mother that she had a young daughter and she tried, wanted to bring her to church. Her husband did not encourage her. In fact, he did everything he could to discourage her. And when she felt like quitting and giving up, she remembered there's an sister, older sister in the congregation. And she has these two small children. Uh, that are older than my daughter, but her husband uh, hinders her. He's not a Christian, and he and and he ta- and she began to talk to this older sister about how she overcame discouragement by her her study of the word and being faithful. And she said, "If she can do it, I can do it." Her example, and my mother did not know she was being watched, and that she was the one that helping this younger mother to hang in there. So when we meditate on the Word of God, it helps us to be a good example. I mean, it helps remind us of our responsibility to be a good example. Verse 79, he says, May those who fear you turn to me, even those who know your testimonies. So we are a walking advertisement of what the Bible will do in a person's life. And also, meditation will help us to deal with difficult people and circumstances. I'm reading out of verse 61. Psalm 119, verse 61. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. Here they're about to kill him, but he's still meditating on the word of God. I want to handle this like a child of God, like a believer in the Bible. Verse 83. Though, uh, uh, that, and that's the verse I read, I read that earlier about becoming a wineskin of the smoke. You're in a difficult situation. You feel useless and worthless and you don't quit. Well, when we're dealing with this difficult situation and still feeling sorry for ourselves, why did God allow this to happen to me? We see that this is part of God's refining process. Verse 71 says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. So, this is God's perfect plan to help develop. What's the purpose of life? It's not our fun, it's not our comfort, it is our character development. And anything that forces me to, any problem that I have, if that forces me or drives me closer to God, ultimately that's good for me if I handle it in the right way. And by meditating on the Word of God, you see, I'm going to get the benefit out of that difficulty. So we're going to conclude with this verse here, Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. I would encourage you to, to write down, record somewhere, different verses that help you 
personally in your spiritual life and to repeat, to read, recite, and repeat those to yourself and let that internalize. Um, That's how we let the Word of God soak into our soul. When I uh, lived out in Arizona, out in Arizona in the desert, we would get about 12 inches of rain. And the reason it didn't sink in or soak in is because of the caliche soil. The caliche soil is kind of like clay, kind of like Alabama red clay. It would just, the rain would come in and just would wash off. And what happens when we quickly read through or breeze through the Bible or zip through the Bible, we don't give it time to soak in. What digestion is to the body, meditation is to the soul. So that's why it's so important that the Bible, God has given us a a template here, a way to uh, develop the discipline of daily meditation on the Word of God by reading through and being benefited by Psalm 119. Remember verse 165, those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. I'd encourage you to transform your spiritual life, to have zeal for meditation, and it will change us from the inside out. And if you're not a Christian, you're all by yourself in this world and you're separated from God and lost. And being a good Christian would save you. Why would Jesus die on the cross? It'd been a total waste. But Jesus did die on the cross and his word can save our soul when we obey it. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So we invite you to come if you want to put on Christ tonight as we stand and sing.